0: Yo, what's up? And welcome to episode 75 of Throwback Hoops. My name is Rob Clayton, and joining me as always is Woody V. What's going on, man? Great to be back, mate. I know we've got a very special guest tonight, so just before we get into that, um, just a reminder where to find us. um, Please make sure you like, rate and subscribe on YouTube and of course the podcast is available on all podcast channels. All right, so Woods, I know we've been teasing this for a couple of weeks now, but we've got another special guest tonight. Right, so this man was born in Bluffton, Indiana, where he became a star at Bluffton High School before being recruited to Michigan State University, where he went on to have a great career and helped his team win their second NCAA championship in 2000. After graduating college with a bachelor's degree in advertising, he went on to play professionally in Australia as well as NBL off-season stints in New Zealand, Israel and Puerto Rico. But it is his 12-year career in Australia that Hoops fans remember so fondly, where he spent time with Victoria, Wollongong, Adelaide, and Melbourne, and was named to five All-NBL teams. Since retiring from basketball, he stayed in Australia and has become an accomplished artist. It is our absolute pleasure to welcome Adam Ballinger, aka Balls, to the show. All right. Hey, thanks for having me. That's a heck of a intro, too. And 75th episode. It's like a milestone episode. This is, it is a bit. Uh, it's Absolutely. a privilege. It's a privilege. We had um, Rashad Kelly from the Jack Jumpers for our fiftieth episode. That was kind of a bit of a milestone there. So we'll have to make sure we um, we follow that up with a good one for our hundredth there as well. So yeah, yeah, uh, absolute pleasure to have you on, um, Adam. I know we've been chatting a little bit over the last few weeks, and yeah, really appreciate you you giving up some time to to come on there. Um, Well, Woody, I might take it away and sort of show what I'm wearing this week, right? Because I'm actually not wearing a jersey for the first time in the 75 episodes we've done. But there's a a good reason why I'm not wearing a jersey tonight. So I'll just um, quickly stand up and just show this one so the camera can get it there. And this, of course, is actually artwork that Adam himself has done. So I purchased this um, shirt from his website a few weeks ago. Um, and it's the 90s uh, sort of legends there. So great T-shirt, this. You can look at this for ages there. I mean, amazing a detail into this and just so many just legendary players there. I sort of look at this and take a glimpse at someone every time. You know, you can see D Brown there. I mean, this, I won't read out all the players. I'll be here all night there. But um, how long did that um, design take to, to put together there, Adam? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for the, uh, support and, uh, throwing away the Jersey for, for,
1: for one episode. I appreciate (laughs) that. But now there's 50 jerseys on there. So maybe that counts as (laughs) as true. Uh, this took, that took a long time. So, so after I retired from, uh, playing, uh, professionally, uh, full time, I, you know, I, everyone has the problem of what do you do after you play basketball your whole life? And then what do you do next? Um, I didn't start doing art full time once I retired, but that's when I really, uh, started to focus on it and really make it, um, something that I wanted to pursue, uh, seriously. And you, when you do that, you need a reason to, to, to stay at the desk. You know, you need a reason to, um, keep going when you're not making money out of it and it's more of a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I said, I'm, I'm going to draw, uh, you know, the 50, um, 50 90s uh, NBA legends. And so I just kind of made a list out on, you know, like literally wrote it out and just like a checklist of one after the other. And um, it helped in a way to kind of find a niche in like on, on social media of people who probably like you guys who are, are into like all things NBA. So not just watching the games, but you know, the, the pop culture side of it too. Um, and it was just something to keep me on track. And uh, yeah, by the time you're done with all that, You got a lot of art to to kind of to do, you know, you make T-shirts out of or I made some some prints out of and stuff like that and sold the originals along the way. And uh, but it took all it took uh, probably about a year and a half. But um, it wasn't like
0: I was doing one
1: every, you know, that wasn't the only thing I was doing.
0: Yeah, well, Woody and I are huge Atlanta Hawks fans, so we're loving loving seeing Steve Smith on this one, Smitty yeah, from the he's city. A, there, he's so he's exactly yeah, right. Spartan. So you had to have him on there, right? So, <laughs> so Woods, I know I skipped the order a little bit. I'll go back to my jersey in a little bit, but why don't you show everyone what you're wearing today? And there's a little bit of a, a link back to to balls of the jersey you're wearing as well. Sure.
2: Right?
0: So, Woody's standing up, rocking a Darnell Me Adelaide 36ers oh, jersey. Yeah, so nice. Yeah, I someone, thought that was the Sixers jersey. Yeah. yeah. So uh yeah i'll let you let you talk i know you about like that personally. balls
2: right i think what at the very end of his stint in wollongong you had one year again when you went to the kings to so that championship run right 2004-05 yeah, yeah
1: that was probably the best nbl team i've I played on yeah mm-hmm. darnell was on that team yeah
2: yeah terrific defensive player arguably the arguably the greatest ever in nbl history um he was selected 34th overall in the second round of the 93 nba draft by the golden state warriors um I remember his time at the Denver Nuggets um, fondly, Robbie. I think that, yep. that playoff run where uh, you know, we saw an 8-seed take down a 1-seed this year, right? Mm-hmm. We had to go back to 94 when that happened. And Darnell played some spot minutes there coming off the bench uh, on that team that beat the Denver Nuggets team that beat the Sonics, right?
0: I mean, I've told you that story before. I remember seeing one of his college games on ABC back in the day, and I think he stood out firstly because of his surname. I don't think I'd ever seen that surname before. And yeah, just a skinny sort of you know long sort of guy, and just an amazing defender, like you said.
2: Yeah, and after his short stint in the NBA, he's played all over the world. Um, most most memorable times were in the NBL, where he played with the Wollongong Hawks, as we mentioned, the Cairns Taipans, and and the Adelaide Thirty Sixes and and Canberra Cannons. So. Uh, also got to represent Australia, I think, in two thousand and seven or eight in the FIBA FIBA Oceanic Games or one of those tournaments. So um yeah, he's been a great ambassador for Australian basketball. And I think he's back in coaching now in the US, right? So
0: interesting. What were your memories of him there, Bowles?
2: Yeah,
1: just like kinda of could do it all uh on the court. Um just a long like six seven, but just long and athletic. Uh didn't say much and um didn't necessarily care about scoring as much as he did uh, kind of like running the game. Like he was definitely a coach out there on the court. Um, Someone who uh, the coach trusted to have the ball in their hands and like kind of conduct things the way he wanted them to go. And it was kind of, you know, if we needed a couple baskets, he'd do that. If we needed, you know, to get other guys involved. Um, But then every now and then he'd come with a sneaky, like incredible dunk uh he could block shots, you know, and, and like you said defensively he was probably um maybe I, I guess you said he might have been the best defensive guard ever. So I don't say I could say underrated, but maybe that doesn't get talked about enough when when people do talk about his game.
2: Yeah, I mean everyone puts Damian Martin there, you know, as the the greatest defensive sort of guard. But you know, Damian Martin even credits playing against Don Elmy a lot in his early years and, and learning to play defense from him, so he, he oh, gets good. slept on quite a lot, right? So,
1: yeah, yeah, I probably forgotten. that Damien, you know, he was Australian born and uh Perth legend, NBL legend, so um, he might have earned it, but uh, no, Dar- Darnell was a special player, and I didn't know, I didn't know he's on that Nuggets team that that beat um beat the Sonics. I you always see the
2: yeah,
1: what, the Kembe on the ground, yeah, the that's, ground, that, that's it, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: I didn't know he was on that team, <laughs> yeah. Very cool. I appreciate that one, Woods. I'll just tell a quick little story about the the jersey I'm hanging up there. Obviously, I've shown the, the T-shirt I'm rocking today. So, yeah, hanging behind me is none other than a Jason Richardson yellow Golden State. Um, it's a Reebok jersey, that one. I had to check what brand it is. So a little bit on Jay Rich there. He played 14 seasons in the NBA after getting drafted by the Warriors at pick five in the 2001 draft out of Michigan State. Um, So Jay Rich played with the Warriors, Bobcats, Suns, Magic and 76ers. Um, Accolades were, of course, an NCAA champ with the Spartans in 2000, which we'll certainly talk about later. Um, He had numerous college awards. Um, He was a two-time NBA slam dunk champ, an all-rookie first team. Um, Ended his career with a scoring average of 17 points a game, so he could certainly fill it up there. Um, Richardson's now 42 years old, plays in the Big 3 competition for Tri-State. Um, So certainly someone I enjoyed back there. Um, What were your memories of of Jay Rich all those years ago there, Adam? Yeah, just uh, first of all, just a
1: good dude, just like a great, you know, it was important for, um, you know, the guys that were recruited were, you know, had to be really good players, but they also had to be good teammates. Uh, Just a really good teammate, uh, fun guy to hang out with. But then on the court, just like a freak, you know, like you just like, you look at him and you think, man he was just like made to play basketball like he was probably how tall he is, he's probably listed at six six maybe six yeah. seven
0: yeah
1: uh huge hands he had like like i wore size 17 shoes but he he did wow. too i was a lot taller than he did but size 17 feet and just long and like wiry and skinny and then you know the way he could jump was um i mean i don't know you know like It seems like guys jump higher and higher every year now. But back then, the way he could take off on two feet, you know, he won two, probably he should have won three in Mm. NBA dunk contests. And uh, just, you know, like to be in practice with a guy like that, like every day he's doing something that, you know, you haven't seen before. Um, I remember always, somehow I'd always be behind him in layup lines. um, So he'd go up and do some incredible dunk. And then (laughs) what was I supposed to do? Like, no, the crowd didn't want to see my – one-handed power slam. So did he, a, did he have Did he a dunk it, on you
0: in practice at all? Or? Yeah,
1: yeah, I got him a couple times too. I blocked him yeah. a couple times, but he, he dunked on everybody. You know, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he had games where two or three dunks on people within games. But one time, I one time I blocked his shot and he came down hard on his wrist. And uh, for a second there, he, we were worried it might have been broken. I thought I'm going to be in trouble here, knocking <laughs> out Jay Rich for for some games. But he he was fine. He's a competitor.
0: Nice, and putting you both on the spot there, so I mentioned he was um, pick five in that 2001 draft. Do you guys remember the four players that were drafted ahead of him in that draft? 2001.
2: No, 2001.
1: you guys would know better okay, than Okay, uh... But-
2: El- Elton Brann and Steve Francis, maybe? Nah, so it's no. after that. I'll tell you, so Kwame Brown
0: was that okay. year, number one. Yeah. Tyson Chandler, two. Paul Gasol, three. And Eddie Curry, four. Oh, so yeah. it was definitely in that era where bigs were getting drafted a lot. Um, a few other teammates of yours were, were drafted in that year as well. They So also um, Zebo a pick 19. Um, a yeah. player that I don't really remember a whole lot about, but Andre Hudson a pick 51. So yeah. never played in the NBA, but had a, quite a successful career in Europe. Um, then there was also another one that uh, went undrafted in charlie bill um Mm -hmm. actually went on to play 376 games which is a pretty amazing effort there so any any quick thoughts on any of those guys there no i mean just all great all all awesome like competitors
1: and you kind of had to be to go through uh what the demands of playing at at michigan state and um it was good times but it was it was hard work too but um Mm -hmm. So, Charlie Bell was just like, uh, he had a motor that wouldn't stop defensively. Uh, he, we always put him on the other team's best player. Uh, could rebound, one of the best rebounding guards I've ever seen. And a great shooter. He broke all of uh, Glenn Rice's scoring records in uh, high school in Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, he, so he got, you know, I'm not surprised he had such a good NBA career just because of the type of player he could be. But, I mean, he wasn't. I probably wasn't flashy enough to be drafted. Um, but, like, he was good friends with – I remember talking to Andrew Bogut at uh, Boomer's camp or something like that, and him and Andrew Bogut were pretty good friends. Yeah. They both played on the Bucks. Oh, yeah. Uh Yeah, Dre Hut was uh, – Andre Hudson was so solid. Like, he was undersized, so he's probably 6'6", 6'7". Um, but just for him to get drafted is, is – uh, just shows you how good he was. Never played in the NBA, but uh, he was just, like – I just remember, like, I just think he never missed a, any twelve-foot baseline jumper he ever took. He shot like a hundred percent on. So he just never made any mistakes. Uh, just really, really good guy to count on. And then zebo was an anomaly. I don't know. He's like <laughs> six foot eight, can't jump, um, not terribly athletic or quick, but just his hands were like magnets to the ball. Like he just he knew where to be. He could score once the ball was in his hands. He could just so crafty around the rim yeah. and uh, just kind of relentless with his rebounding and stuff. But, you know, I don't know. Like he just, he could just like naturally go out there and get every rebound and school around the hoop and you couldn't stop him. And he's playing against guys, you know, that are four or five inches taller than him and so much more athletic. But for him, he surprised me with his NBA career did surprise me a little bit with, um, you know, he's pretty immature. He he went to school for one year and came out mm. and went to the Blazers and, um, he really kind of really matured and turned into like a uh, just a good good guy, good guy for his community and everything,
0: and just an unbelievable career. So you probably tried to get behind him in the layup line, I guess, rather than Jay Rich. Yeah, once I
1: challenged him to a dunk contest <laughs> uh, during the middle of the season, you know, the doldrums of the season, I remember, and just he, we were talking, you know, trash back to each other a little bit and joking around, and then I, I challenged him to a dunk contest, and uh, I beat him. I beat him. It was a unanimous decision from the team and the coaches that, from our three dunks, I won, although didn't help my draft status or anything.
0: <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I thought we might sort of, you know, talk a little bit about your career, Adam. Um, as Woody calls it at this point, we're going to chop it up a bit there. So, yeah, got a few things we wanted to sort of go through. So, yeah, sure. I guess we'll start off with, you know, what it was like for you growing up in, in Bluffton, Indiana, um, and who were your early influences in, in getting you into basketball?
1: Well, so when I, my dad played and, you know, in Indiana, that's what you do. You, you play basketball. Um, you watch basketball, you talk about basketball, but the high school, high school basketball, the high school team was a big thing. So in a small town, I'm I'm sure you both have seen the movie Hoosiers. Um, it was, we weren't as good as them, but, um, you know, that's what everyone's talking about on Sundays at church and at the barber shops and, and stuff like that. And, uh, it was just, it's what I wanted to do. And my influences were like guys who were older than me playing high school basketball there for the town and just wanting to be like them and wanting to be able to play on you know Friday and Saturday nights in front of a big crowd. We had our school had about less than 500 kids. And we, we sat our gymnasium sat like 3,500 people. And it was by my senior year, it, every game was packed. Um, it's just a big deal, you know, like just high school basketball. And that, you know, that, that drove me to, to want to be as successful as I could um,
0: in high school and then take it from there. Did you get the size from your dad as well, though, Adam? Obviously, you're a really big guy. And you mentioned the size 17 shoes. There. Did that sort of come from your dad at all? Or? Yeah, my
1: dad's about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Mom's okay. about five. She's about 5'9", probably. Yep. Uh, both... I'm the tallest, though, on both sides of my family, even, like, uncles and cousins and stuff like that. And I got four brothers and sisters, and I'm quite a bit taller than they were, too. I don't know. I don't know what happened, but um, they're a little bit
0: jealous, I think. snake <laughs> like was in the water there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously, you know, basketball was such a big thing for you. Did you play any other sports growing up in, in Indiana there? And, and, you know, did you have a favorite NBA team or a favorite player growing up?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So other sports, like when you're a kid, you just kind of do everything. I played a lot of backyard football, and then, you know, I played a little bit of football in seventh and eighth grade. In high school, I tennis for a couple years, and I ran track just to stay active, you know, just for something to do. Um, But basketball quickly became the kind of, you know, my focus. Um, Let's see here. But my favorite teams, so my first jersey I ever got, like practice jersey, was the number 33. And I was like, nice. now I saw oh, who's number 33 and of course, Larry <laughs> Bird, but also Patrick Ewing, um, mm, yep. had number 33 and they had just brought out their new logo. You remember the Knicks logo was like the seventies, eighties was just the basketball with the Knicks above it. Yep. And then they rebranded to the, you know, the tougher looking font in the, the triangle kind of behind that basketball. Yep. I just remember seeing that and being like, yeah, that's my team, and that and Patrick Ewing is my favorite player. And uh, ever since then, um, that's been my go-to team. But I've never been able to top the feeling of following them in the '90s. You know, those teams and just just
0: so much fun to watch them against.
1: They never got over the hill of Jordan, but um, mm. no one did back
0: then. Well, Woody's certainly a big Ewing fan as well. So you two yeah. got that in common. Yeah,
2: really. really? Like, yeah, love Patrick Ewing. You talk about all those centers in the in the '90s. You know, he was up against. He might not have been them he was very skillful, but people talk about Robinson, Elijah, one, you know, Mourning, you know, Brad Doherty. You know, there's a lot of greats, and Rick Smiths, even Matumbo. There was a lot of them in that in that period. He's the one guy that stands out for me, man, because I just love the way he went about playing the game. He would sweat in the snow, right? He would do anything. He would do <laughs> yeah. anything for that team, and that Knicks team was real fun to watch, man. So I like your artwork as well that you've done with. Uh, I think he's got Anthony Mason, Charles mm, Oakley. Yeah. Um, John Starks John Starks and Patrick Ewing love that by the way so. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah he just yeah I just loved, you know the way he looked just the way he carried himself and how tough those teams were but then he yeah. also had his own shoes like he had his own Ewing brand of shoes <laughs> yep which when I was in middle school getting those East Bay catalogs you guys ever get East Bay catalogs over here was that yeah open? I've ordered
0: those in the past yep yep
1: so we used to get him every month, and it was just a big deal to go through there and just, yeah, his own shoes and everything. And the, you know, the whole New York thing was just it couldn't have been any cooler in my mind. I got a pair
2: of his kicks here, so. yeah. I do too, actually. <laughs> yeah. he, they brought him back out, yeah, know, yeah. I, I got him
1: for like 40 bucks or something, yeah. Wow.
2: Um, will you speak about um, enjoying other sports and whatnot? You obviously started taking basketball really s- seriously. And spoke about how you could make a career of it, Adam. Let, take us back to 1998 when you were recruited to play with Mich- Michigan State. Like, what was that process like? And did you ever consider other colleges? I mean, Indiana it comes to yeah. mind, right? So.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, growing up as a, you know, a 6'9", white kid from a small town in Indiana that's that can shoot. Yeah. Every kid, you know, dreams of going to IU to play basketball there yeah. or Purdue. But, you know, IU still back then, you know, they had Bob Knight and that's... They got all the big recruits, um, yep. and they were the first school to. I just, you know, when it started to become, you know, a reality that I could get a scholarship to play basketball somewhere, I, my my goal was to just. I just wanted to go to the biggest, like the highest school I could go to, as far as like conference, like Big Ten or ACC and whatever, uh, a bigger school like that. And um, Indiana was the first school to start recruiting me. Um, you know, I was kind of set. You know, that's where my dad wanted me to go. Like, he never pushed me anywhere, but you know, you know, it's a big deal to have your son go to IU, and when you're living in Indiana and play for Bob Knight, but we went down there a couple times, watched practice a couple times, a couple games, and it was apparent that there were some problems down there at the, yep. at the school. That was the kind of the end of his tenure there. Yeah, he had come out and um, gotten in trouble for choking one of the yeah. players. Um, that was all kind of happening at that time. And, you know, you hear rumors and stuff and talk to some players and I don't know, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't like I was saying, definitely not, but there didn't feel great. Uh, and then, so some other schools were like most of the big 10 schools, like Northwestern, Illinois, probably, um, uh, I don't know. It's hard to remember, but uh, probably half the big 10 schools, let's say they, they kind of wanted me. And then, I took one, one, uh, one visit to Michigan State, one official visit, met the coaches and the campus and the players, and uh, that was just – I committed not long after that. It was it was pretty apparent that that was um, – they were on the up, and it looked like a great place to go. It was also not that far away, so I'm from northeastern Indiana. It was just up the road, up up um, 69, the highway. So um, it's about two-and-a-half-hour drive. It was about the same distance to IU, so that helped.
0: We know, obviously, Michigan State's got a you know an absolute legend uh, coach in Tom Izzo. There, he was kind of just starting out, though, wasn't he? Around that time, he went. I think he'd been coaching maybe three or four seasons. Did he? Did he have a lot of pull at that sort of time then, or was he sort of still getting used to that whole head coaching role there? No, he was still getting. Well,
1: geez, he was ready to coach. I don't know that he ever was just getting used to it. He was. Um, mm-hmm. He was under Judd Heathcote for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and then once Judd retired. Uh, you know, Co- Coach Izzo got the job and it was shaky, like it is for a lot of coaches when you start. You know, like he was there for, I think, I had two or three years. Um, and then once the year before I got there, they made the uh, Elite Eight, I think, in the in the NCAA tournament, which was a big deal for Michigan State. You know, they, it, at that time, it had been a long time since they were successful, especially in the tournament. So that was the he started to like, that was his kind of rise in the, in coaching. And, um and then I get there and then, yeah, it wasn't because of me, but I just I kind of jumped on at the right time. And um so we, that was the lead eight. Then my first year there, which was a red shirt freshman year because of injury, mm-hmm. we made the final four and then the three final fours in a row, won it in 2000. And, you know, ever since then, he's been, a legend of, of coaching, not just in, in college, but, you know, even in
0: you know NBA teams are... Uh, we're trying to get them pretty much every year after that. And that was only the second victory in uh, NCAA for Michigan State, right? They won with Magic Johnson in 79, yeah. anyway, so you guys in 2000. Yeah. So was that 79 team still pretty reviewed for you guys then? Obviously, there would have been a lot of Magic Johnson sort of, you know, traces or, you know, jerseys retired on the walls and things like that, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. Magic is always and always will be
1: connected to that school. Mm. Um, he he was around, you know, like uh, he came back a lot in the summers, talked to the team probably once a year. Um, but, yeah, you know, like everyone knows about that game and that championship because that was him and, and Bird going against each other in the national championship. Uh, but then, yeah, we were able to do it in 2000, and since then not, not no Big Ten
0: team has won a national championship, which um, – mm which is, isn't good. It's been too long. 23 years is too long. It is interesting. Yeah, we look. You talked about some of those former teammates early on. There was two other guys I wanted to touch on as well, and probably the heart and soul of that team that you know won it there, in, in Mateen Cleves, and also another guy that I know, Woody, and I were both big fans of in, in Mo Peterson there, Mo Pete. So, um, what are your sort of memories on those guys? I mean, I mentioned Charlie Bell um, before. You know, he went on to play three hundred and seventy-six games as an undrafted player. Mateen Cleves only played maybe hundred and fifty or so games there. Um, what were your sort of you know memories going back with um, with Cleves and Peterson? Well, his – so, Mateen Cleaves, his his um,
1: personality and his work ethic and his style of game fit Coach Izzo to a T. Like, they were – like, that was his son that he that he never actually – you know, like, it was his – it wasn't really his son, but, like, they're cut from the same mold. Like, Mateen is just a um, – he's a football player in high school. Quarterback coaches that love football players. Um <laughs> But he's just a guy, like, his energy never stopped. He never stopped energy-wise, never stopped talking. He he ran the team. He was tough as nails, like, defensively. Um, not a great shooter, but streaky, and he could hit the big shot. Um, and, you know, the way that the kind of the faith Coach Izzo had in him uh, just drove him to, like, be one of the best, you know, college basketball players certainly at that time and drove his draft status up which was deserved mm-hmm. uh he got the nba and i don't know you know i don't you know i didn't i know him now and i see him when i go back but i think he went to detroit he was from detroit or that area yeah. i don't know i think it might have been better for him to go you know get out of that you know away from all oh, the, the people who were around him at that time but um you know i i don't know he, I, he just had an incredible college career. He was an incredible uh, leader, and just someone to watch play the game was just unbelievable. But you know, he he wasn't as a scorer, so probably didn't convert as, as well to the to the NBA. But I think to maybe going to you know so close to home was also something that maybe he
0: could change. He he would have changed, but I don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: And then Morris, did you ask me about Morris?
0: Yeah, yeah. Give us a Mo Pate story.
1: Well, him and, him and uh, Mateen were just thick as thieves, but they're both from Flint. Um, yeah. Along with Charlie Bill. Yeah. So was Charlie, and so was another guy named Antonio Smith.
2: Mm-hmm. So the
1: four, they call him the Flintstones. Um, <laughs> so Morris came in, not highly recruited. He was like, he was about six, seven, chubby, um, out of shape. Um, and then through, you know, he was there for four years. And through those four years, And then, you know, could shoot and could, could run. And his game really translated really well to, to the NBA.
2: Yeah, well, you speak of the NBA, Adam. Um, I think 2003, after a, a story, college career, you went undrafted before you moved on under and, and had a great career here. Um, what happened there? Was there, you know, workouts with NBA teams? Was there an opportunity there potentially for you to, to go and play in the big show? um i think there was
1: at one time so i had a really good junior year so for a long time i was i was very much a role player and then i had kind of a breakout season junior year i think i made some big all big 10 teams and um was kind of set up to have a good well not kind of it definitely was all working out and i was set up to have a really good senior year and hopefully you know everybody's dream is to play in the nba but hopefully get looked at a little bit for To get drafted or even you know, whatever, make a make a roster or whatever. Um, But I didn't have a good senior year at all. I started out kind of pretty good and then um, took a dive and kind of. It was the first kind of slump I'd ever had in my life, basketball wise, and didn't um, didn't handle. I mean, I kept going, kept working as hard as I could. But if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have taken it so seriously. You know, I was like, you missed a couple shots but you have a bad game. It's not the end of the world. Back then it was, it was everything to me. So, um, didn't work out for me my senior year. Um, and so the NBA, you know, you kind of miss that window and the window's gone. Um, but then, yeah, it led me to here, led me to to a long career of playing basketball. And ultimately that's, that's what I wanted to do. You know, I love the game, but I also love playing the game. Like I wanted to, I want to play basketball, you know? So, um, out here, to, uh, playing in Australia and coming here allowed me to, to do that and be a big part of teams and good teammates and plenty of really really good experiences.
2: Well, not 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 only playing, a lot it led to a lot more great things yeah. in your life. We'll get to that in a second, but yeah, <laughs> How Robbie. did that
0: come about with you sort of getting, I guess, that first kick here playing with the Victoria Giants? Their balls. On. Did you know much about Australia before arriving here? No, I didn't know anything about Australia. I was a typical mm-hmm. American that um, <laughs> you know doesn't know anything about the
1: outside of America. Um, I didn't know much about outside of Indiana, really. But uh, I knew they wanted me to play basketball, and they were going to pay me money. <laughs> um, but it was uh, two two guys. Remember Mike Chappelle, Dave yep. Thomas?
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: I played with them, and they were out here playing at the time. Um, they, they highly recommended it. Uh, their agent helped me get out here and um it didn't take much like uh, there's a team out here that wants you and i just was like yeah great i'll go there and i didn't even know embarrassingly enough i did not even know where melbourne was in australia <laughs> until a few days before i left i thought "Oh, i might as well look it up where i'm even going but um i was just happy to go somewhere and just uh, just play some basketball
0: you mentioned Dave Thomas and, and Mike Chappelle there. They were both, I think, with the camera cannons, I think from memory, weren't they, for a year before. Um, really remember Dave Thomas fondly there. He he was a great player there, had some really good times for for Melbourne there. What were those two guys like? No uh, two good guys again, but
1: um, Mike was a shooter, he's a scorer he played for two years at Duke. I think he started mm. as a freshman, then transferred to Michigan State. Um just like six eight, six six foot nine, uh, shooter. Uh, and DT was another guy. I would say he's kind of Darnell Me like, yep. um, yeah, not as athletic, yeah. but um, you could play all like four or five positions, probably four positions. Uh, just kind of could do it all, you know, defensively. And he, there was a time at um, Michigan State, Mateen, um, he, he got an injury, put, his hurt his foot or something like that. He was out for like ten games, and DT actually stepped in and played point guard uh, for us. On that, I think that was the year we won the, champ, the mm-hmm. national championship.
0: He was a Canadian as well for Yeah, me, played he? for the Canadian yeah, national
2: team. some great, great yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, speaking of that team, there was another interesting personality on that team. Current Phoenix Suns owner and also <laughs> Phoenix Merc- Mercury owner,
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: Maneshbier, right? He yeah. uh, He was a walk-on, right, I think? So <laughs>
1: yeah so ish and i are he i would consider him one of my best friends honestly oh, yeah we came in the same year i yeah. didn't know you know i was the only scholarship player to come in that year my in 98 99 i met him the first day of school um and you know he said you know he introduces himself he said i'm, I'm walking on of the team um and we've been friends ever since uh just a really unique guy, obviously, but, um, you know, mostly walk-ons don't usually last very long, probably yep. one or two years, um, but he really, he was kind of, he was different, like he, he ingratiated himself onto the team uh, pretty quickly, and it was pretty clear that he wasn't just a guy who was there to just um, make up the numbers, you know, he competed, yep. he, 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 his mind, like he knew all the plays, he knew all the plays, he knew all the teams we played against plays. He knew he just, he was just, he's a smart, he's a smart guy. And just a, uh, just a, just another good guy to hang out with. And um, yeah, we got a lot of memories. So we went to school together for five years, Um, a lot of house parties and eating yeah. pizza late at night together and been through a lot, but then, yeah, you know, and then he went to work for his dad afterwards and then he's, he's certainly made a name for himself. You still in touch? Yeah, I saw him. We talked quite a bit. Um, I don't bother him a whole lot. He's, he's got a lot on his plate. For but sure. whenever we go home, uh, we just uh, we just went up and saw him. My family went up to, to see him and his family uh, for a night there when we were home about two months ago. Um, yeah, he makes time, man. He makes time for,
0: for the people that were in his life before he...
1: Uh, became multi multi billionaire.
0: <laughs> so is he going to reach out to you for any you know, coaching tips as well for that that Phoenix Suns role now? Or? No, he
1: didn't ask me. Yeah, he didn't ask
0: me whether he should get KD or
1: uh, or fire Monty or anything like that. You know, I don't know if that was his decision, but mm. um, I told him the KD trade was was a good was a good move, and he appreciated that. I think. Yeah, <laughs> nice.
2: Well, Adam, you did mention earlier that, like, you know, you were a typical American you thought those kangaroos in Australia. You didn't know where Melbourne was, all that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you've joined a long list of Americans that have come here to Australia and they've never gone home, right? You yeah. know, after being born in Indiana, the last thing you expected was to end up here, have kids, you know, get married to an Australian, settle down here. How does it feel to call this place home? And going back to the states, you do that quite often, obviously, from what you've just mentioned as well, right? To to visit family and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I wish I wish there was more often cuz of COVID and stuff it was yeah. it was about 5 years as, since
2: we went back as a family. Sure. Um, yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean it's like, you know, growing up in Indiana, and I, I never thought in a million years I'd live somewhere else other than other than that. Um, but you know, you go where life takes you and then I was lucky enough to come out here and play and then a couple of months after being out here I met uh, my wife Bianca and we we've been together ever since. Uh we met this the night we met we we haven't, you know, the, we haven't left each other's side. So um yeah, that's just I don't know, you know, you just it just happens. Yeah, I didn't plan that and she didn't either, but uh, you know, I'm from a small town about ten thousand in Indiana and she's from Swan Hill, which is a small town of about ten thousand in country Victoria. So yep. a lot of similarities, even though we grew up a long way away from each other. But it's a good great place to live. Like you don't it's not, you know, it's you grow up thinking America is the best at everything and then you, you kind of travel a little bit and wi- widen your horizons and you realize, uh, I don't know, Australia, Australians, we got it pretty good.
2: Definitely, definitely. I'm from India originally with a billion people in it, so my, my yeah. relatives tell me, you live in a <laughs> massive place with hardly any people in yeah, it, you yeah. know what I mean? It's easy, so it's yeah. nice, yeah. So definitely. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: it's just too far away. Australia's
2: too far away. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. That's the one knock, yeah.
0: Well, I wanted to sort of um, talk a little bit about what you're doing now, Adam. Obviously, we mentioned at the start of the show, um, you know, since retiring, you've, you know, turned a hobby into a, a bit of a business there with your artwork there. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, you, your mother was an, an art teacher going back in the day. Yeah, there, so... mom
1: was an art teacher and she's just kind of like endlessly creative. Like she's just, mm. she kind of can't sit down and she's still the same way. She just like always like needing to do something creatively and she's got about 10 projects going at one time <laughs> but i've always been interested in like art slash you know like lowbrow art like skateboard type skateboard art i guess you would call it and then um that kind of led to discovering kind of comic books um and a uh like graphic storytelling medium and then um going from that to art books and kind of learning everything I could about the trade. And then um, always, I always just kind of had a pencil in my hand, just, you know, doodling, but nothing too serious. And then, I don't know. It's just something like, it's just something I have to do. Like if I wanted to stop, I couldn't, you know, like I could just try and say, I'm going to quit this tomorrow. And then I'd be back at it a day later. It's just, it's just something that I, it's kind of in me, Um, the creative pursuit of, uh, I like making things in my hands, like illustration. I don't know, it just just makes sense to me. Um, and I've you know worked pretty hard to to kind of uh, make a niche for myself, you know, with uh, sports art and kind of that caricature caricature artwork. And um, yeah, it's one thing to to draw and make art and be creative and stuff like that, but it's another thing to have people actually care about it, you know, pay attention mm-hmm. to it. So um, it hasn't come without a lot of work, but I'm definitely re- really really like, appreciative
0: of it. How much time would you spend on something? I mean, we talked before we hit the record button today. You just did, uh, recently did a Wu-Tang um, character, sort of picture of the Wu-Tang Clan there. We, we saw on um, Twitter there. How long would, say, something like that, for example, take you to do
1: Well, that one I did, like, fa- head by head, like, face by face. Mm. Um, it's hard because this is why it's hard to make money out of it because artists don't necessarily think like businessmen. It's You know, if I charge by the hour, I I don't know. I'd be making very little money per hour. <laughs>
2: but because i
1: enjoy it uh you kind of got there's a balance there but um i don't know i don't know how long that took a long time i just did one after the other um it would take me if i was going to do one i don't know say i'm working on this what i would do today i did a steve nash i i just penciled it out today but if i was doing this job full time which i'm not right now but if i was back to doing it full time it would take I don't know, two days, two work days to do one start to finish. If I got really lucky and did a long day, I could do it in one day. Um, But I do everything by hand. So pretty much all the, you know, the penciling, the, the inking and the coloring, I do it all by hand. So that's why it takes a little bit longer.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Look, certainly at the end of the show, we'll get you to you know give a bit of a, a plug and everything else like that, and we'll certainly put that on our socials and everything for you know your web address there. But look, I really appreciate the chat there, Adam. It's great, sort of you know a bit of a trip down memory lane and, and learning sort of how you ended up, you know, eventually becoming you know an Aussie citizen and being out here. One more thing I wanted to add to ask as well, I didn't sort of have on the run sheet, but I do recall you maybe trying out for the Boomers. I think at one stage mm-hmm. there is that is that right? Uh, what's your what's your recollection of that? Yeah, it would have been about two 2000- thousand. Eight. it was
1: for, it wasn't an Olympic year. It wasn't a mm. world championship year. It was, there was some tournaments. I think they went, they were going to Brazil and then some qualifying things. Uh, Brett Brown was the coach. Um, yeah, I got invited to the boomers camp, um, which was uh, a big deal, you know, like it's pretty cool uh, to not be invited to a, a camp in something, a country you didn't grow up in, but um, mm. really felt, you know, Felt honored to be there. Uh, I I made the team. You know, it wasn't like wasn't all the big NBA guys there at, at that particular camp, but um, some pretty good players, of course. Uh, obviously, I mm-hmm. uh, made the team, but uh, I had to uh, decline it because my son, my uh, middle son, was was being born. So I I said I I couldn't go on the first trip, and when You know, it's another thing like that window. You know, you got such a small yeah. window to be yeah. available for things and to um to try and make teams and stuff like that and so you know it never happened that i actually played on on a team but um it was great to be considered
0: for it absolutely no i appreciate that well no thanks for the chat there adam i thought we might just have a quick chat maybe about sort of the nba playoffs um I thought, obviously, we'd sort of talk about, you know, the conference final matchups are both set. Um, started off today with um, the Denver and the Lakers playing game one. Um, I might throw it over to, to both of you guys, as what your sort of thoughts are on these two series that we've got there. Um, maybe, Adam, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this um, Denver and Lakers series? All my thoughts kind of come from Bill Simmons. Uh, <laughs> I've been a Bill Simmons
1: follower for long yeah, time. Me too. So I Likewise. To podcast. Him, and, yeah, him and Ryan Russo. Ryan Rousseau, could, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just need every day, just make a yeah. podcast every day. Um, I don't know, you know, like, it's just with the things that LeBron has been able to do, you know, it's, it's no secret how incredibly he's been over such a long period of time. They talk about now how, how intelligent he is and how he kind of paces himself even like throughout the game and you can kind of see his mind ticking over on, okay, I need to do this now. Or like, you know, I need to expend this amount of energy or I need to be out now for these five minutes. And um, to watch him going against uh, a guy like Jokic, who, (laughs) who just is, he looks like the best teammate ever. Just like, he doesn't care about any acknowledgement. He doesn't want to talk about himself. He had what? A triple double today that no one's done. Oh, two other Oh, uh, some crazy stats. Kareem and Wilt have done 30 thirty twenty triple yeah. double in
2: playoffs. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: you know, we're talking about like Wilt Chamberlain and guys like that that mm. aren't doing these types of things, um, and that contrasting like LeBron looks like he was you know cut from granite, and uh, <laughs> I always say uh, Jokic looks like a walking like bag of milk. <laughs> So it's fun to watch those two guys go
0: in. It was a great game today. So it wasn't a game one. Obviously, you know, Denver really had a big lead in the first half. Woods, what are your thoughts on that game? I know you got to catch that today.
2: I did. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, you talk about the Joker being such a great teammate. He just wants to get his mates involved, you know, make them feel like they're seeing a basket going, which is going to build their confidence, right? Which is, which is terrific. He said that in his interview at the end of the game. The Lakers really picked it up in the second half because we weren't playing team basketball, right? In that first quarter, he had, what, 12 rebounds, 8 points, 5 assists in the first quarter, right? You know, this guy is just unbelievable. He just makes the right play every time, you know? He he makes the right basketball play. So, um, I think Denver's... This is going to be a great series. Denver's looking good, but Lakers just found something in that second half with Rui Hachimura coming on. So, I think that... Man, it could go either it way. It's a toss of a coin this series for me, but I, th- I think it go, could go to 6 or 7, right? I'm going to go Lakers in 7, actually, all
0: right? Well, what's really? give some thoughts on the yeah. other series as well. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Because I'm thinking that could be a pretty short series in the East. Uh, yeah, Miami and, and Boston. I mean, Miami's done great just to get here. Mm. Um, any word on Tyler Hero? He's not back? Nah, no. Still not
0: back, now.
2: Nah, nah. All the deepos up. But these guys have been playing ab- above their weight, man, you know? And all those guys we mentioned, you know... Um, Coming, coming. I don't, I don't know. Where Duncan Robinson coming back playing? Um, you know, uh, Kyle Lowry coming off the bench. Jimmy Butler putting the team on his back. You don't know. You, we've been saying this this whole, this whole time. They're not going to yeah. do this, right? And they, and you know, Boston. They got pushed against Atlanta. They got pushed against Philly, right? So I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's going to be as easy as you think. I think that could be a. I think Boston will win, but it could go to five, six games. I think, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. What are your thoughts on that series, Balls?
1: Well, I mean, I don't. I I counted. I thought my, the Heat had no chance against the Bucks. Then I thought, oh, <laughs> the Knicks. Yes, we got the Heat. We're we're gonna. Yeah. They were clearly the better team. They, they looked like clearly the better team in both series. Mm-hmm. So my son is a Heat fan. he yep. He's he, same thing. He discovered the logo when he was really young, and he's been <laughs> a crazy Heat fan ever since. So we watch Heat games whenever he can. And what Jimmy Butler did against the Bucs in those last two games was. <laughs> I mean, he was. They were down six in the fourth, and he was telling Drew Holiday, one of the best defenders in the NBA, like, "You can't handle me. Like, you can't guard me." Like, and they're still down six, and he's yelling it in his face. And he, they still came through and came back. Like, he was right. He couldn't guard him. Um I don't know. I just I love watching Jimmy Butler and the Heat, the zombie Heat. But I think, you know, if I was going to bet money on it, I would say the Celtics.
0: Yeah, no, I think so. I think it might be a gentleman's sweep, maybe Boston getting the four one win. But yeah, like you said, though, you know, Miami have sort of surprised in all these series here. I think they've been the underdog in, in every series and continued to win there. So can't put it past them again. To and Man, Boston have been a little bit shaky, I guess, at times.
2: They have been right. Honestly, Miami, even if they end up losing this series, they've they just get a few other pieces around there next mm-hmm. year. You know, they've made so much noise with the limited roster. Who knows what, what they can come back next year in the East and, and, and do, right?
0: so. Uh, good stuff. Well, look, I thought we'd just finish off with a very quick NBL question um, there, Adam. So, look, Woody and I are both huge fans and advocates of the NBL. I um, just wanted to see, do you get to follow the league much these days and, and maybe what some of the differences are that you see since you stopped playing in 2015?
1: Yeah, so I definitely follow. So I work for Melbourne United. So I work sure. – um, I'm a community coach for them. I've taken over uh, Waza's job.
0: Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, work giddy. And so I'm around it a lot more in these last couple of years than I, I ever was after I had retired. Um, and it's pretty amazing to see the amount of work, especially with United. I can't speak for other teams, but the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes when when you're playing, you think it's just all about the team, team, team. And when you're in the front office, which I'm around, I mean, I wouldn't tell my, call myself a front office person but you just see how much goes on behind the scenes too and like how both kind of need to be in sync for these for teams to win championships um but yeah you know like so I, I definitely want united to win every single game uh but they're you know it's just it's good basketball like yeah hey, I coach um some a rep team and I just i just tell them like you, you should be watching the NBA you should be watching games full games not just don't look on the highlights don't not yeah. don't watch on tiktok watch these nbo games watch how these players move how they play the, the skill that they have and uh you know just watch you know like how are these baskets being scored like you know team movement and stuff like that guys move out of the ball i just think you know it's the quality of the games has gotten so much better and um you know it's just it it's it's going up and up there are 10 teams now and there'll probably be more here in the next couple of years and it's just the, the the rise of the NBL over the past few years has been really cool to, to to see and kind of be a part of
0: do you miss the 48 minute era or are you, you cool with the 40 yeah. minute stuff yeah i
1: like 48 minute
0: era cuz you can score <laughs> you score more points yeah um <laughs> play more games
1: um i don't know i i i think it probably was a I don't know. Was it a good idea? I, I, I don't. I, I guess they wanted to be more in line with FIBA. But then, even now, I think there's you know the NBL has really really close ties to the to the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I liked 48 minutes better because you got a chance to score more points um, and play play more. But um, I don't know that it is made. You know, I couldn't say if. I mean, do you think it's made much difference as far as the the games were like, even the the
2: league being seen a different way. I just think that I'm a stickler for history, right? Statistics yeah. and things that have yeah. happened before. Mm. You know, all the records that have been set by your Andrew Gazers, you know, scoring records, Don Elmi steals records and stuff, you know, that he's done in a game over, over 48 minutes. How are you going to do it in 40 minutes? It's a lot, It's not fair, right? Because those records yeah. are not going to ever be broken. You've done the 48 minute era for so long. So you've got to almost have a new set of records for since the forty-minute era started. So, it's yeah, like that—that—that—that's yeah. the—that's the one that I don't—that's the one thing I don't like. The reason they did it for forty minutes because the t, for TV time they wanted to fit it into two hours. That's yeah. what I heard. The initial reason they As far as everything else goes, whatever the entertainment value is, is great now. You've got great players coming here. The, all eyes are on the league, so you can't really complain in that sense, as you as you alluded to, right? And your Melbourne United, uh, good news today, getting getting. Yeah, Matthew Vadova no, back to Adam. Amongst you know that that, that roster is looking really strong this year. I'm, I'm a Sydney fan. Robbie's originally from Perth, so you know we got three uh, three sides of the coin in, on this call yeah. right here. So. <laughs> do
0: you, do you yeah. know if their roster's done now, Adam? with getting Delhi there because I've heard they might still be able to get an import spot, but then I'm not sure if he counts as a marquee player. I'm not sure if you know no i don't
1: i i don't know everything but um Mm. i knew delhi was coming for a while but i don't i think that there still is uh at least one import spot
0: don't don't quote me on that but Mm. geez i've had a good off season wow
1: yeah all our locals are filled and then yeah they're working on an import which is always it's always a risky thing like you know you do they do all that recruiting and all that uh video watching and stuff and it's like you never know what you're going to get until they until they show up
2: no, Armani Brooks' name's been thrown out there by Olga. Yeah, you know, NBA usually NBA NBA knows today, what he's it? talking about, yeah, right? He's so. not really topic, yeah, he's normally on the something, isn't he? Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Well, no, I really appreciate the, the chat today, Adam. We'll just go to a quick outro. Um, so look, just wanted to you know mention, as I said at the start of the show, um, please make sure you like, rate and subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, also just a reminder where we can be found. Um, we're on Twitter at Throwbacks Hoops. We're on Instagram at Throwback Hoops, And of course, our email address, podcast at gmail.com. Um, Woods, you want to give your shout outs?
2: Look, I mean, I know you guys have been sending in a lot of questions. We've had quite a few guests on lately. We're sorry, keep sending in the questions. Robbie and I'll put a, an episode aside just to answer those in, in a mailbag episode. Thanks to everyone for their support and uh, jumping on Patreon, Patreon and, and subscribing to us. Uh, can't thank you enough, yeah.
0: Good stuff. And Adam, we'll finish with you, mate. So look, where can people follow you? Where can people go on and, and, and purchase things from your website? Give us, give us a few plugs there. Yeah, I
1: wish, I, uh, that's another thing I need. I need like a business manager or something <laughs> to get better at so I'm, I'm only on Twitter. That's the only place that I really kind of put my heart out. Um, so you can just if you go on Twitter, you just just search Adam Ballinger art, and uh, I'll, I'll come up. Uh, and then through that, you can find the link to uh, just a T-shirt site right now. Um, like I said, like I got I got to get put some work in on the. That's the stuff that's not as fun though. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like doing that. I like I like the making the art and then promoting it isn't quite as fun. But yeah, if you just get on Twitter and then you got questions or you know anything uh just just dm me i'm, I'm pretty active on that
0: good stuff yeah certainly enjoy all the, the content that pops up on twitter that all the you know various sort of pictures and everything else like that it's always fun to see those and you know you met my daughter before the show adam i'm always showing her she's just blown away with you with your drawing <laughs> there it's an amazing talent you've got there obviously to go with being such a such a great basketball player well yeah look just really wanted to, to thank you for for joining us today um it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you um woods you got any any final words for the day
2: He's a great basketball player, great artist, but more more importantly, he's a great guy. Adam, we really appreciate your company today, brother. You know,
1: kind words. I'm coming back on anytime. I want to feel better about myself. Nah,
0: I appreciate it. <laughs> nah, good stuff. All right, we well, just wanted to really thank everyone for tuning in. Um, we'll be back next week, and peace out from the Throwback Hoops crew.
2: Peace.